Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. More blasted rhetoric from the Banana Republic for people who think capital punishment isn't going nearly far enough. (laughs) Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It's yet another fight the government could not win. The might of a hardline conservative anti-drug policy was rendered useless last week by Charlotte Caldwell, the mother of 12-year-old Billy, who suffers from a particularly virulent form of epilepsy. She says he needs cannabis oil to save his life. They told her she couldn't have it. In fact, they went as far as to take it off her at Heathrow Airport, having flown back from Canada with it. But after a stand-up of a few days, they relented. And now it looks like cannabis for medicinal use is all but legal in the United United Kingdom. Now, former Tory leader William Hague is calling for the legalisation of cannabis for all recreational use as well, saying the war has basically already been lost. It's pretty hard to argue with him, isn't it? 08-0344-499-1000 is the number. Daisy McAndrew is here as well to talk us through the latest developments in that TV show on ITV2 that we don't like to talk about. And, of course, there was a bit of football going on last night. England won their first game against Tunisia. Plus, we're talking helicopter parenting and those terrible exams all our kids are doing at the moment, which have been described as the hardest exams ever made. 0344-499-1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, and Daisy McAndrew on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. We 
we're going to kick off today uh, with a fascinating kind of story that's been developing really since last week. I mean, we spoke um, to Charlotte, the mother of Billy Caldwell, um, a few weeks ago when she was originally yeah. told by the uh, by the sort of GPs in Northern Ireland that she could no longer have access to cannabis oil, even though they'd given it to her in the past. And suddenly a decision had been made. No more for you, and yeah, your son is just going to have to suffer. She then went across to Canada to, to buy some. In my view, slightly kind of um, uh, openly, more so than you would have thought she mm. needed to be open, because she, I mean, clearly she was campaigning, she wanted to make a point. But yeah, my thought always is that if she was this desperate to get help for her son, she would have maybe gone about it a slightly more quiet way. Although it, it may well be that she's actually been proved to have done it the right way because now it looks as though the law's actually well, been changed. Well, exactly. She's she's not only got what she um, where wanted yeah. eventually, not right. after you know after considerable um, hardship, but she's raised the stakes for everybody else. She's mm. raised the issue for everybody else, and she's forcing you know politicians yeah. and others to come out of the woodwork and say actually it's time time for change. Yeah, and politicians are not quite going as far as to say. Cannabis oil can now be used for medicinal purposes. They're saying they will now sort of look at each case individually. But I can't see how they can turn anybody down now. Well, no, because they've made a mockery of, yeah. the, of the policy. Right. The fact that the Home Office has released, you know, at least some of this oil, shows that the policy and the law doesn't work anymore. Right. I mean, in a, in a court case, you'd be very hard pushed to uphold the law when you would have a lawyer saying... But the Home Office has actually condoned mm. this already in official capacity. So, so is this the thin end of the wedge? Yeah. And are we now going to see a massive march on kind of the legalisation of cannabis overall? Because William Hague writing The Telegraph today uh, says this. The idea that this could be driven off the streets and out of people's lives by the state is nothing short of deluded. Everyone sitting in a Whitehall conference room needs to recognise that out there, cannabis is ubiquitous. And issuing orders to the policy to defeat its use is about as up to date and relevant as asking the army to recover the empire. Yeah. And I think you know, that's that it is the thin end of the wedge. I think things will definitely change now. We know, you know many people have been campaigning for this for a long time and on the whole were poo-pooed as, you know, it was sort of ridiculously liberal and didn't know what they were talking about. We know that Theresa May is not personally keen, but we also know around the Cabinet there are lots of uh, members of the Cabinet who are. Jeremy Hunt and Sadie Javid have both said that they want they want it discussed at Cabinet and Theresa May uh, overruled them. So, but I think the tide is definitely turning. I think she's going to look very out of step. Canada has just done it. You know, other countries have. I mean, that they've done you know, legalization uh, or decriminalization. Yes. You know, we know that the Lib Dems have been calling for it for a long time. They were sort of, you know, uh, shrugged off as being you know, crazy, uh, being crazy, Loony, and being drug and obsessed, and losing votes on it yeah. and so on. But I think I think it de- definitely will change now, and there are very good arguments. Uh, to do it, not least the medicinal arguments for people like Billy um, and other sufferers with things like epilepsy, but the the way that you know, soft drugs lead to hard drugs, the way that you know, you're criminalising a whole you know, a whole group of young people yeah. who, who end up in the you know, in prisons and turned into hardened criminals. Mm. Where they could get even better drugs. Where they could, yeah, where they get onto much, much yeah. harder drugs. Also, we're missing out on a lot of taxes. Mm. So yes, I'm indeed. Gonna... Well, let's talk to Steve Rolls, who's senior policy analyst for Transform. Steve, very good morning to you. Welcome. Hi there. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. I mean, is this the thin end of the wedge? I mean, are, have you taken a view now that basically cannabis in is all but legal for medicinal purposes now? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's important to make, make a distinction between the, the arguments for legalising access to medical cannabis and the, and the wider argument mm. about legalising supply for, you know, recreational mm. or, or non-medical uses because they're, they're different issues and, and that they, it's important to separate them out. But they're, they're both they're both very important, and it's interesting to see how, um, yeah, the, the, the medical cannabis issue certainly this week seems to have crossed a, a, an important. 
line. I mean, as you say, the Home Office acknowledging that there is a med- there are medical uses is an important step forward. And, you know, the fact that you, you really can't deny um, access to sick children to medicines that are going to help them keep them alive, it, it's, really forced, it's really forced the issue. And, and hopefully we're approaching uh, the, the finishing line on that front. The recreational issue is a much bigger and more uh, vexing one because it, it, it's much more sort of entangled in all right. sorts of moral questions about whether or not we should be using drugs and, and blah, blah, blah. But I, in, many, in many ways... The pragmatic reality is about dealing with reality. I mean, lots and lots of people are using cannabis, and, and you, you can't get rid of it with enforcement. It's about how we manage and deal with it to reduce potential risks and maximise benefits. And it feels like we're approaching a tipping point with that debate as well. Well, let's start with the medicinal uh, use of cannabis, Steve. What, as far as you are aware, is the benefit of, of having it? Uh, and what would be the point of not having it, I suppose? What would be the point of making it or, or continuing to suggest that it's illegal? Well, it's, quite, it's, it's actually quite tricky because can, medical cannabis isn't a single thing. I mean, the, the, the plant, the cannabis plant, there, there are many different varieties of it, and it has lots of different active drugs in it. And from that, you can then derive all sorts of different uh, medicines and extracts and, and different products. So there, there, there's actually multiple different types of cannabis-based medicines, and they're, they're, they will need to be regulated in, in different ways because some of them are associated with certain risks that other ones aren't. But, you know, really, the, the part of the problem is that we can't research this. It's very difficult to research and develop these products because it's legal. So it's a bit of a catch-22. We can't get the research to prove it needs to be uh, made legally available because we can't research it because it's illegal. So it's, it's a but sort of Steve, ridiculous sorry, situation. Sorry to interrupt, but I understand that yeah. we can't do that. But in countries where it is legal, can't they do that research? Yes, and that research is now happening, and the evidence base is growing. But we're, we are years behind, really, where we should be. But that, that, that situation is beginning to change. And I think that's one of the things that's now driving the reform. It is that as that evidence starts to build, it become the arguments for um, legalising access does become irresistible. And you know, there, there is a it is it is a, a patchy body of evidence, but it's growing, and, and in some cases, it's very very strong. And you know that things like the Billy Carwell case, you know, yes, it's only a single case and it's anecdotal, as it were, but it's kind of irresistible. You know, he hasn't had a uh, he hasn't had a seizure for a year. Um, then they take away the medicine and he starts having seizures. They give him back the medicine and they stop again. It, it's kind of hard to resist mm. that. It's a shame, really, that it's taken this sort of uh, person, this sort of tragedy, and, th- and this sort of. Um, media coverage to force the government to act. I mean, it'd be nice, really, if they would show leadership on this based on, you know, evidence and compassion rather than have it, having their yeah. hands tied by the tabloids. But either way, the fact that it's happened... And the Nobody's hands are being tied, tied by the tabloids, Steve. William Hague's writing in the Daily Telegraph before we start attacking uh, well, the newspapers, OK? <laughs> Let's try and keep it on the straight and narrow, shall we? <laughs> well, you know... It, 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 is, it has been media pressure that's made this change and not and, and activist pressure, not leadership on the part of the government, which is sad, really. And, and unfortunately, that's tended to be the pattern with drug policy reform yeah. generally. But anyway, the good thing is that it's happened and, you know, we have to embrace that and be pleased about it. Steve, can I ask you what's probably a really stupid question? But, you know, I totally get the point that because the cannabis is illegal, the you know use of it in, in medicines is also illegal and even doing the research into it is also illegal. But with opiates, loads of drugs, medicinal drugs on the market are are full of opiates. Why aren't they illegal? 
Well, I mean, most, uh, you know, many of the drugs that uh, are used, uh, you know, recreationally or, or, or non-medically, you know, whether it's cocaine or ketamine or amphetamines and heroin and, 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 and cannabis to some extent are also, you know, licensed medicines because yeah. a lot of drugs that, you know, are, are fun, in inverted commas, to use um, also have medical benefits and you can't deny access to medicines just because someone else wants to use it. So is it a sort of chicken and egg thing in that with those drugs, the the legal drugs came first and then the illegal drugs came? So that's why they're legal. And also, do we not have, I think we have a drugs minister, do we not, who has a partner who is one of the biggest growers of cannabis legally in this country? And we seem to be able to grow cannabis legally and export it legally, uh, but we just can't actually use it legally. we do. I mean, we do have um, one medical cannabis product available in the UK. It's called Satavex. It's produced by GW Pharmaceuticals, and it, uh, you know, uh, which is the company that's supplied by Paul Kenwood, who is the drugs minister's husband. So we do have one. It's not completely accurate to say there's no medical cannabis in the UK because we do have this one product. The problem is. Um, it's not the right product for certain people. It wasn't the right product for Billy Col- Caldwell. He needed a, a slightly differently right. formulated product so, um, that was only available in Canada. It's a ridiculous, it's it, a ridiculous situation. It is, so why is that one drug? What, how did that one drug become legal? Right. Well, I mean, this is, it, and it can be a bit confusing, but basically for, for a drug to be licensed in the UK, it has to go through all the rigorous testing of efficacy and safety. Um, that you would expect for any pharmaceutical drug. And, and th- that is the only, Satavex is the only product that's gone through that process so far in the UK. Um, and it, in, in some ways, it's reasonable to say, well, look, you know, if you're going to be, have a drug available prescription, it should have to go through the same processes. The problem is that um, there are hundreds of products and, and, you know, going through that process costs millions and millions of pounds and takes like a, a decade. Um, and... You know, for for, for Billy, Billy's oil to be made available through that process, it probably wouldn't be for 10 years. And, and right. it, it might not happen at all because you have to have a pharmaceutical company willing to push it through that mm. process. I um, mean, what's the transform p- position, Steve? What would transform like to see in terms of the way that medicinal cannabis is, is prescribed and, 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 and even sold, if you like? I mean, how would you like it to be done? Well, I think the, the first thing to do is that there are there are medical cannabis products that have been standardised and licensed, and, and they're made to a high quality. They're licensed by other governments in the EU and other countries like Canada, um, and they should be available uh, on prescription. If, if a doctor prescribes them to patients in the UK, they, they should be available. Right. Um, and that, that doesn't seem like a, a huge leap. Um, but in, in, in the longer term, we need to have some kind of regulatory framework to make cannabis products available and I, if you look at the experience with other countries because of the unique nature of cannabis and its unique history it doesn't fit very neatly into the kind of pharmaceutical regulatory model that we have at the moment and it may be that we need some kind of bespoke legislation and a dedicated cannabis regulatory uh, agency to oversee availability of medicines but it's it's tricky it's it's going to be a bit messy but it's it's perfectly possible lots of other countries have done it um the sky hasn't fallen um, and people who need access to these medicines and can benefit from them do have access in other countries and, and nothing bad has happened. So really, it, it's not beyond the wit of man. And hopefully that's something that the government will uh, be looking at now and we can have happen in the UK fairly soon. OK. And just finally, we haven't got an awful lot of time left, but, but on, on, the, on the subject of legalisation generally, which uh, William mm-hmm. Hague seems to think is a good idea on the basis that the war has been lost. I'm not sure that's a great reason for it. You're a little bit more sceptical. No, I mean, I think that we need to have uh, regulation of cannabis uh, and, and other drugs as well, to be honest. But, um, you know, cannabis prohibition uh, has been in place for 50 or 60 years. Mm. It's cost 
tens of billions of pounds and it hasn't done what it's supposed to. It hasn't, you know, it hasn't er eradicated the market. It hasn't, uh, you know, made made communities safer, but it has, it's cost lots of money. It's criminalized millions of people. It's created a a multi-billion pound illegal market controlled by criminals. I think we just need to deal with reality that millions of people are using cannabis and, and manage it in a pragmatic way. It's not something we can magic away with enforcement. Um, and we have to make a choice whether we want the government and responsible agencies to be regulating that market or whether we want to leave it in the hands of unregulated criminals and organised crime. And it's, it may be a, 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 you know, a, a lesser of two evils argument, but we have to be pragmatic about it. And um, prohibition clearly is not the way. And I think a sensible discussion about re- regulated legal markets is, is long overdue. And I, so I welcome what uh, Lord Hager said today. Well, maybe this will be the start. Steve, thanks very much indeed. Steve Rolls, there, Senior Policy Analyst for Transform. This is the Independent Republican, Mike Graham, 03444991000. Mr. Max says, I don't smoke cannabis. I tried it once, but it's not for me. But to say it adversely affects people who use it a lot is no reason not to make it illegal. Alcohol isn't banned, and excessive intake of that is just as bad, if not worse. Uh, on Dave says, Mike, how many of these people wanting to legalise weed take into account the tobacco part of it? It's highly addictive and costly to the NHS. Well, that's true. Um, but then again, you know, you might say the same about smoking cigarettes, and that's not illegal. Well, that's true. And my understanding is most of these new cafes, they sell it in other forms. Yeah. It doesn't have to be mixed right. with a cigarette or you know, mm. with, with tobacco. So it's... In, no, but also, I mean, it's well known that, for example, tobacco uh, tax pays more than pays for the treatment of lung cancer that is as a result of uh, smoking yeah. cigarettes. In the same way, you could do that by taxing uh, marijuana and by taxing uh, cannabis. Let's uh, have some conversations on this, though. Rajesh is in Derby and Martin's uh, in Brighton. Let's do Rajesh first. Rajesh, hi. Morning, Mike. Morning, yeah. Daisy. Morning. Yeah, morning. What do you yeah. reckon? Morning. Yeah, well, um, I think they should legalise it. The reason behind it is when my mother, unfortunately, passed away from cancer last year, right. um, she had an aggressive form. She was uh, diagnosed in November 2016, and we were told that she only had 12 weeks to live. Okay. Uh, the after end of life chemotherapy, she tried one se- session of that, but because she was, her immune system was taken down, and we've got kids, and nobody else had kids, we couldn't go, we couldn't go to visit her. So we looked into all the you know, remedies, and we found cannabis. And we had a look at uh, a cannabis oil like you can procure in this country legally, minus THC. That THC is a bit that makes you high. Okay. So so we, we, purchased, we purchased this, and we noticed uh, in mum a, a change in her attitude and everything. Now, we're not saying she was high or anything, but she was more relaxed and she was calm. And, uh, and what was what was what form did it take, Rajesh? Was it like a was it like an oil? It or? was oil. Okay, it's, it's an oil. Yeah, yeah. So, so, something similar. This being the news, you can buy from Holder Barrett. This is much stronger. You can buy from you know off the internet. Okay. If you do your research, and then we obviously um, went down the route of procuring some illegally, uh, which includes THC, and we believe this prolonged her life. You know, she she had 60 milligrams of morphine the last five days of her life. Prior mm. to that, she had nothing. And, pres- and it must have it probably made her much 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 more capable of of dealing with the pain as well, right? And and and, and... Um, mum was a strong person. She was very religious, and uh, she believed. The funny thing is, she she tell me and my brother off for drinking too much, but yet towards the end of her life, she was quite calm and relaxed because of the cannabis. So, right. you know, we had to break her faith as well. You know, we had to show her. Said, "Mum, this is it. If you go down the road of chemo, you can't see your grandchildren." You know, towards the end of your it's life, terribly so sad, isn't it? Terribly it is sad. sad, but it's, it's also a, a steep learning curve. Now, now, now this uh, this lady has come back with a son from Canada with cannabis oil. This is the same stuff, and you know they they can treat people. You know, prolonged 
prolonged children's lives. Forget adults, mm. kids. You know, there needs to be an investment. They need the government, NHS, everybody, they need to get together in a room and find a solution because we are losing too many people. I'm almost 64. 65, sorry. She, she, luckily, she had a 65th birthday in August last year. So, you know, people are dying needlessly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying it's a cure. I'm saying it can help maybe prolong. Maybe my mum was just one case. We're not doctors. There's something on the, And the other thing is the last scan she had, they noticed that the swelling on the lymph nodes and the tumour had gone down. Really? Yeah, if she wasn't having chemotherapy, what was, what was doing that? Mm. You know? And I think anything so, that offers some form of relief to somebody like your mother who was clearly suffering yeah. badly, it's got to be it's got to be allowed. I mean, the idea that you can't do yeah, that exactly. is De- ridiculous, De- isn't it? Denying patients what they yeah. want and what both the patient and the doctor says would do them good, mm. denying it just mm. looks and is totally heartless. I mean, very interesting. And, and, I've just seen that Andy McDonald, who's an MP, yeah. has just been quoted as I say, his son died at 16 um, of an epileptic seizure. Um, and he has written to the Home Office asking for this to be changed. And now, he doesn't know whether the cannabis oil could have uh, helped his son. But, of course, he keeps wondering whether his son would be alive today if he'd had access yeah. to yeah. cannabis oil. So it just feels like there's a momentum building on this, doesn't it? I think so. Yeah. I think so. And I, and I believe, like I said, they need to get in the room and have a, com- a sensible adult conversation. Mm. You know, we're not about having, we're not talking about people being off their face all the time walking no. around like zombies. Do you know, I you wonder know? if you, Rajesh, I don't know whether there's going to be some kind of consultation on this, but I wonder if you could mm. somehow tell your story to um, an MP or something and, 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 and send, them, send them an email or something just to say, look, yeah. as part of this conversation, yeah. you should know this, you know, because it's valuable yeah. information. Well, yeah. that's certainly what I think it's Jeremy, because Jeremy Hunt and Sajid Javid both want it to be discussed at Cabinet. And I think Jeremy Hunt's been asking the Prime Minister to you know, announce sort of a big investigation into this. And my understanding is she has resisted that so far. We know that she seems to be the roadblock on this particular right. yeah, change. She does. And I, I think she's going to have to move on it. I really do. Yeah. Rajesh, listen, thank you very yeah. much thank indeed. You. From the Farmer of Fury. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. From the Farmer of Fury. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now, I must confess there was a fair amount of beer drunk last night at uh, the Two Mics event. What's uh, your favourite beer? My favourite beer? Now, that's a good question. I don't know, really. Um... We were drinking sort of bottles of lager last night. We were in this kind of private club place. Proper so footballing beer. Proper footballing <laughs> beer, so we could throw the bottles yeah. at each other later, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm generally speaking a fan of sort of, you know, real ale type beers. Like but craft in the, beers. But when it's hot, I mean, like when I got, I, we, we met up in this pub around the corner from where we were, around the yeah. back of UCL. And I was so hot from the tube that I had a pint of um, lager shandy. Because it's just so nice and cool to drink. Because real men do drink lager shandy. Well, I believe so. Yeah. You know, I have no problem with that. And um, <laughs> although the second one was a little weaker than the first, and I did feel like I was a sort of thirteen-year-old. You know, I was like, you put a bit more <laughs> beer in this you've one. You've had you like. enough. But in the winter time, I rather drink sort of you know real ale from yeah. a proper hand pump. Um, and a lot of the craft beer places around here, for example, are a bit confusing because every time you go in, they've got a different. All the taps have been changed, and it's all new, different yeah. types of beer. But I quite guest, like guest beers. Guest beers, and they only last sort of a two or three days at a time. But um, there's one called Atlantic, I think, which I quite like, and yep. there's another one called Doom Bar, which is Doom from Cornwall, Bar, which I, think I quite like. That's one of my father-in-law's favourites. Yeah, and Tribute is another one from Cornwall, which is nice. Yeah. Um, but I mean, as a lagers, I kind of like quite like Peroni. I quite like the Asahi, the Japanese one. Mm. I think I was drinking those last night. Well, let's talk to Bridget Simmons, who will be recognising all of those names because she's the CEO of the British Beer and Pub Association. Bridget, it's a terribly hard question to answer. What's your favourite <laughs> beer? I didn't, I wasn't expecting it. No, and it's actually not one that I would be allowed to answer anyway. But uh, <laughs> all know. those uh, all those brands that you've just talked about are members of uh, the BBPA, and I actually live near Harvey's in Lewis. Oh, do so you? Harvey's, I actually, yes. Quite a lot of their beer. In fact, I was there on Friday celebrating Beer Day Britain with our local MP. Well, do you know, I'm a great supporter of local beers, and I actually have a, a place in Sussex, and I drink Harvey's when I'm down there when I can. And I used to live in Devizes, or near Devizes, where Wadworth's is, and I used to really yeah. like Wadworth's as well. And I'm very near Hook Norton, so there's a lot of hooky, ah. there's a lot of hooky beer there you around, go. Hooky. around us. Yeah. So, so that's all good. So, so anyway, so basically all of these uh, companies are going to be making uh, hay while the, while the football's on, right? Certainly. I mean, we, we predicted that we would sell 14 million extra pints during the group stages of the World Cup. I mean, that could be worth. I mean, there's about 42 million to the industry right. uh, overall. Um, and after last night's performance, I certainly hope that, that we can go further. I mean, obviously, we've been helped by the time in Russia. So mm. unlike Brazil, where I had to ask for extended hours so we could all watch because all the matches were late at night. Yes. In Russia, we've got two 7 p.m. Um, uh, kickoffs and one, which is one o'clock in the afternoon, yeah. which is ideal for pubs and with yeah. some good weather. Um, let's hope they do well. No, indeed. And I mean, it's also a great time for, I suppose, the pub industry to, 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 to show off its wares because it's, it's, it hasn't been easy over the last few years, has it, for the pub industry in terms of, it, you know, footfall and in terms of the smoking ban and all that? It hasn't been easy. And we also reckon that the Treasury is going to take 6.3 million out of uh, those facts and figures I've just given you. Um, we are vastly overtaxed. If you look at the tax paid by Germany in the World Cup or indeed other teams, they are paying far less for their pint of beer than we pay here. Mm. And yet we're a great British manufacturing industry. You know, 82% of the beer that we drink here, whoever produces it, is brewed in this country. So we're an industry that, that's definitely worth supporting. I mean, yesterday, Heineken announced that 
that they were spending 44 million uh, on on their pubs that they own in this country through through star mm. uh, pubs and bars. You're not going to get that investment unless you, as a government, support the industry through help with with beer duty and indeed with business rates, yeah. which have been hard. Sure, and I mean if England do manage to get out of the group, which everybody assumes they will, hopes they will, and they get say uh, maybe two more games on, well that would that be another 14 million pints? You think? Well, we will do those calculations, I think, when we come to it. But, I mean, again, it depends on the times of the games, uh, when they are. But I would certainly hope so. Um, and, you know, I, I, I watched the, the warm-up match. I watched last, obviously last night, but I watched the warm-up match against Costa Rica. We've got a good young team who are really enthusiastic, as you saw in the first 20 mm. minutes last night. And the obvious place, I mean, people week in, week out go and watch Premier League and other uh, football matches in pubs. And if you're a pub that hasn't got a television, why would you not put a television in uh, for the World Cup? Because it's all shown on on terrestrial. And you have to pay quite a lot for the Premier League rights, don't you, for a pub showing of that? But you don't have to pay presumably for the World Cup. No, you don't. I mean, if you want a Sky or a BT Sport or indeed now Amazon um, license, you, it's based on yeah. rateable value. And yes, it's really expensive. Um, so not everyone does that. And of course, we're much more food led. I mean, we now serve a, a billion meals a year in pubs. We've got 50,000 bedrooms. So people go to pubs for lots of other good reasons. Mm. But I imagine most people who were in the pub last night were there because they were watching the football. Yes, indeed. I was going to ask you about Amazon, actually, because how are you going to manage to sort of, I mean, you may take the view or individual pubs may take the view that that what they're asking is too expensive and and it's difficult to stream anyway. Um, But will, will there be pubs streaming Amazon football, do you think? Well, we haven't yet had any discussions with Amazon about how this is actually going to work, on what basis they're going to release it to pubs, but they have showed some interest in the pub trade, and yes, I would hope they would do that, and I would have thought quite a few pubs would have accounts with Amazon, but we haven't had that discussion yet. I mean, my real concern, I mean, some years ago, I was desperate to have a bit more competition in the market. The problem with the competition that we've got is that you just end up by paying twice or three times. Yeah, right. And that does make it expensive for pubs. So there's less and less um, pubs covering this, but good pubs who've got a good sports offering will want to show football, and that's the traditional place that people go and watch. Richard, can I ask you from your point of view, obviously you are um, you know, a woman who likes beer and likes football. I'm a woman who likes football, but I don't really like beer, just don't really like the taste. But as somebody in your position, it seems to me that you're in a, a, in a fantastic position to observe societal changes as, as they the happen. Online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. We've had a wonderful campaign here called There's a Beer for That, which has tried to introduce more women into different styles of beer. Because to me, the great thing about beer is it's low strength. And uh, you were talking, Mike, about drinking shandy. I yeah. drink shandy too. But I, you, you, you know, the average strength of beer is 4.2%. Mm. We're trying to get a law change so you can actually promote lower strength beers. But, I mean, you were talking about hooky. Hooky produce uh, a great beer. I think it's 3.5%. 
that's or even 3.4 that's the sort of thing that a lot of women and, and if you could see me I'm, I'm quite thin so I can't actually drink a lot of alcohol anyway beer is a great way of having a long drink a thirst quenching mm. drink and the different styles give you lots of taste so I think the attitude uh, to, for women is very much changing I think a lot of more women are interested in drinking beer but of course also pubs serve everything from gin and tonic yeah. to, to wine I suppose one of the things with women is they're always calorie counting aren't they and they get put off with the idea that you know sort of beer makes you fat but but again the alcohol content will have an impact on the calories won't it actually that isn't true uh beer is 95 percent water uh my my sort of boring fact for the day is there is less calories than half a pint of beer than there is in a glass of orange juice that's, a, that's about, not a boring fact. That's a great fact. No, that's fact. a great fact. What about, what about, the, uh, what about the alcohol-free beers? Because they're kind of taking off a bit more as well, aren't they? They are, yes. There's been a growth in the sort of 2.8 around Radlers, but also in, in alcohol-free beers. And there are some great beers around. I mean, the, you know, the, the days where they used to taste absolutely horrible, now chill it, the right alcohol-free beer is absolutely great. And again, we want to grow that market, but we do have this restriction in advertising rules that just because you can't promote higher-strength beers, you can't promote lower-strength, and yeah. we very much want to change that. Mm. Because I've actually, funnily enough, and you'll, you'll, I mean, talk about uh, me and my shandies. I mean, I've actually had a couple of, there's been times when say, I've been driving or something and it's been very hot and you quite fancy. And if you don't like the taste of beer, you won't understand this. But it actually really is quite thirst quenching yeah. to drink a non-alcoholic beer. And it's actually quite good in the summer. Isn't well, it, I've got friends who have, you know, who've, who've given up drinking or, like you said, a, a driving. So I always yeah. try to have some of that Beck's Blue or some some of those. But mm. I've noticed that the, there's much bigger variety in the supermarket yeah. if you're going to buy those and then you can even get you can get alcohol free gin and tonics can you and, yeah yeah now see that i can't there's see the point there's one called of. seed lip which i've tried which is really, really quite nice and it feels grown up you know if you're trying not to drink but you don't want to drink a kid's drink mm. it's nice to have something that feels yeah. a bit more sophisticated yeah instead of like the yeah as you say the kid's drink well bridget thank you very much indeed um what do you do any anything special going on for the next uh, next game against panama sunday night well again um Lots of good reasons why people will go in a pub. It's a Sunday. Why don't go and have Sunday lunch? You can watch the game uh, at the same time. Um, and then, of course, the following match is the following Thursday, yes. which, which, uh, which That's is the big against, one. That's Belgium. Uh, yes, against Belgium. Yeah. Um, we are actually taking a party of people to a pub near the House of Commons. We're inviting people to yeah. watch and we'll all go there. And okay. I hope we'll celebrate. Excellent. But responsibly. Yes, <laughs> of course. Responsibility is always the way. Although if you're going to win in Parliament, I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't count on it because uh, the <laughs> Terribly irresponsible down there. Bridget, thank you very much yes, indeed. Thank you. Uh, Bridget Simmons there, CEO of the British Beer and Pub Association. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.